This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thanks so much for being here today. Really excited to have you joining us today. I am talking with my friend, Peter Bromka. Now, Peter has been on the show before. A couple years ago, he was on the show with Esther Adkins talking about what is the Olympic marathon trials. Uh, So today we did a one-on-one, which has been a long time coming. Peter is a super fast runner. He is a 219 marathoner, Um, but a couple years ago, he was trying really hard to qualify for the Olympic trials and came seconds from qualifying on multiple attempts. We talk about it in this episode, but he wrote really honestly and raw about those experiences. And that's kind of when I started following along with what he was doing. He lives in Portland. He is a writer. He writes on all things running. Uh, you can find his website, peterbromka.com. He just ran the Boston Marathon, I think in 228. Uh, and he is a master's runner now. And so in this conversation, we talk about what that looks like to be a master's runner, what his goals are now, um, what it means to reach your ceiling and your fullest potential. Did he do that when he was trying to qualify for the trials? Uh, all of his feelings around that. Super applicable and relatable to whatever it is you are trying to achieve regardless of how fast you're trying to run. I also love, I'm just going to read this. I love this post I stumbled upon his the other day. He says, I can't do that. I lamented while scrolling Strava the other day. Then it hit me. I was looking at the training of a world record holder. I don't need to be able to do what he does to live a rich running life. And yet seeing efforts that I can't match weighed on me. I realize that comparison steals joy and we should focus on gratitude for what we are able to do. But sometimes that escapes me. Just a reminder to me and anyone else that we can't let the availability of all these other runners live at a tap and scroll to push us outside the zone of gratefulness, an ability we each have on this day. All right, deep breath, back to speed work. I love that, don't you? So Peter's also a member of Relay with me along with Kara Goucher, Mike Coe, Marcus Brown, Tommy Runs, Stephanie Flippin, and Matt Chittum. Uh, We provide content over there on Relay every single month. We each bring two to three pieces a month over there, and we have team calls that you get to be a part of. I host a book club with Kara Goucher. It is really, really fun, and it is a cool group of people, a great community over there. I highly recommend you checking it out. Um, You can find what we're doing on Relay when you go to patreon.com slash Relay and you participate. So like when you're in the book club with Kara and I, you are on the call with us and we all talk about the book together. We um, moved from using Riverside to Google Meet for that. So every single person is just as much a part of that conversation as Kara and I. So it's a really cool way to connect with one another. Um, to, To gain access to that, we do a book club every single month. Peter writes lots of awesome stuff. Every single person on the team is putting out really cool content over there. And that is patreon.com slash relay. All right, friends. This episode of the podcast is supported by Prevanex. 
And y'all know that that is where I get my protein powder. Uh, people ask me all the time what protein powder I suggest and the Nurify Plus by Prevenex is by far my favorite. I use it, my kids use it. I sprinkle it on their bananas and peanut butter. They love that. We drink it in smoothies. I also just shake it up with water in between. Like if I have a quick workout and then I have something to do, like a quick call, I will make sure I get that in quickly um, before I get a full meal into my body. It is packed with vitamins and minerals and the best quality ingredients. I also take their multivitamins and their joint supplement and really believe in this company. They have clinically effective supplements that promote longevity and performance in your everyday health. And they care a lot about their ingredients and the quality of their ingredients. So go check it out, Prevenex.com. Use the code ANOTHER to get 20% off your first order. All right, friends, please enjoy my conversation with my friend, Peter Bromka. All right, Peter Bromka, welcome to All Have Another. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> I'm so excited to do this. We've become good friends on Relay and kind of watched each other from afar for a long time. And I I told you before we started recording, I have zero notes and I didn't tell you this, <laughs> but um, I, I've been like crying in my therapy session all morning. So like I'm like feeling very vulnerable today. So who knows where this conversation is? We are here. Go. Yeah, we are here. In it. Um, <laughs> um, and, and we could talk about this forever, but are you, you do therapy remotely? Um, no, no, no. I, I drove. And then oh, you I, drove. yeah. And, um, on the way home, I was like, I'm going to take the long way so I can like yeah. unwind and not also not get on the highway and like, feel like I have to be like super, you know, focused driving and yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I started, I mean, it's been part of my life the last year, but I started therapy in uh, February and it's been definitely a, that it's in person and it's, uh, I've had the experience of like, glancing over at the box of tissues like uh <laughs> like assessing where I'm at in the moment being <laughs> like is that in my future is that my near future or nothing against you know pulling out a tissue but I was just like I've now seen it in my mind's eye of like is that the intersection I'm headed towards so you so haven't used the tissue oh no I have and oh, okay. that's uh it's been sort of a marker um but <laughs> yeah I'm excited to be be here with you I'm trying to think of like how far back it's funny because of how having listened to your podcast before we met, I'm like, how far back? I can't even recall uh, how far back I started listening to the interviews you did with so many people. Um, and I was actually thinking about that. I'm going to hijack this for a second. Do we it. were walking down Newbo Newberry Street, and I think you were just touching on some deeply niche elements of the sport. And you're like, I'm just not sure I'm a running nerd like that. And I was like... <laughs> This is an out-of-body experience because Lindsay Hine, with how many episodes, you'll have to touch on how many episodes you've done. You're like, I'm like, I think you qualify. I mean, it's a, <laughs> there are different flavors of running nerd. But like we were walking, again, uh, two days, three days before the Boston Marathon, there was like every flavor of running nerd yes. surrounding us. So, you know, we all have imposter syndrome of maybe we don't belong in some rooms or others, but you certainly belong in most. That's hilarious. I Maybe I'm... I'm a running nerd in some aspects, but there's a lot of things I don't know. And actually, it's oh. interesting that you bring that up because 
I don't really care or pay attention much anymore, but like back in the day I would get railed on, on some of my ratings and reviews on this show because like I didn't know the ins and outs of like track and field and things like that, which I kind of shamelessly like say, you know, when I, when I started this, like I was just a girl who liked to run marathons and wanted to start talking to people about them. I didn't run in college or anything like that. Um, but yeah, people would really get on me for that. And I've learned so much, you know, since yeah. then. but I would say the marathon is definitely like, I'm still a little bit lost in that world of track and field. Oh, for sure. And that's okay. I mean, it's its own rabbit hole. I mean, we could talk endlessly because I'm, I'm a geek of the sport and this sort of gets to like, I, you met my father in Boston and he was a runner in sort of the classic boom. Mm-hmm. He was there. Um, we've just been going through old photos and like, there's just, I was the kids or his children and uh, daughters-in-law are like, so what's, what was going on with the running shorts back then? Like they just <laughs> didn't seem to work. And he's just like, oh man, I'm getting really made fun of for this. But um, you know, that was in the seventies. So when I was born in the eighties, it was just like part of the air I breathed. There was like going to the fun runs and then, um, my dad, I think, told the story at lunch with all our relay members about how I was at the track um, when I wasn't yet six pounds, weighing in at six pounds. Um, and so it's just been a part of my life. And so you just realize how many layers of nerdiness there are. Um, and it's okay. And it's, I think it's been really a lease on li- my running life to come to the marathon Turns out I love the marathon. Turns out there's a whole world of people who that's the door they enter the sport from. Mm-hmm. And there's a really, there's many layers of energy there that we could unpack. But there, it's been, you know, a godsend for me because honestly, I, I had fried myself out as a um, high school and then college runner in the track and field world. Um, and so it took stepping back for a number of years and then coming back to it and really like dedicating myself to the marathon to find that joy again. Um, okay, quick question. First of all, I love your dad so much. I'm so glad I got to meet him. I gave yeah. him a hug. And we'll talk about your mom in this podcast as well. I've got a big spot in my heart for your mom, even though I've never met her. But um, I remember when I was talking to your dad, I thought, I don't even know if Peter's parents were married. And oh, I, and for yeah. those listening, Peter's mom recently passed away. Um, how long has it been, Peter? It's been about nine months. Oh, has it been nine months? Yeah. Gosh. Feels very recent to me. I'm um, sure but, it does. Yeah. I'm sure it um, does. I've thought about well, you. Eight, about eight, eight months. Thank you. Oh, it's, actually, it's, oh, yeah, it's nine months now. Nine months. Um, and so this was one of those circumstances where, you know, when someone's going through something really hard or loses someone, but you don't know that person very well. And so mm. I know from my husband losing his mom, my mother-in-law six years ago, like I know the thing to, to do is to always say something like mm. never not bring it up. Like from my experience with my husband, at least like he would never not appreciate someone saying something, even if they barely knew him. So when I was standing there on that corner with you and your dad, I was like, I need to know like if this was his wife still. And I kind of oh, felt yeah. weird not knowing that. So I just asked him, I said, were you yeah. married to Peter's mom? And he said, yeah. And then he told me about, you know, like two or three different stories about how they met and just. We were I, standing right there. Yeah. In the block. We? Sorry. We were standing right in Back Bay, Boston, which is, um, you know, is difficult for me to talk about but it's the it's in the miles of the marathon in the miles of the 
the part of the world where they met. Um, and it's very raw and real for me. But it's a beautiful thing. I mean, we I forget if that was right when we were walking with you. He pointed at a, a store and said, like, that's where I bought your mom a ruby uh, ring, which, you know, was part of their courting process 54, uh, 55 years ago. So it was it was a beautiful thing. Um, and it's um, I was happy to be wearing sunglasses uh, when you asked him that because I turned away and was definitely very much feeling the reason that he was there. Um, I signed up for the Boston Marathon two weeks after she died. And I just knew that I wanted to be there and I wanted to bring him and I wanted to revisit that. Um, he ran the race in 78 and it's a part of a whole crazy backstory of what the Boston Marathon was like back then. Um, there's some great photos of him running. And then he said, I, I had to walk right after that. But like, you know, he ran down, he, my parents met at Boston College. So it's always been kind of this crazy coincidence to me that this race that has so much personal meaning also has so much international meaning. Because when I crest heartbreak, like I can barely talk about it, how exciting it is and how like, how it brings me to a place in the world in my life each time that I know I need to be in and that I feel very much uh, in the moment and very centered in. So um, these emotions are very fresh, but they're also wonderful. Mm. Yeah, you're, when I met your dad, it I was like, oh, it was very clear to me. There's two things. When I met your dad, it was very clear to me, oh, this is why Peter is who he is. But then also, just from what I've read about your mom, that too, like the two of them together and like what I, the little that I know about both of them, I'm like, this makes sense that this is who Peter Bromke is. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, I take it as a compliment and I definitely, I think we all think about like, what are the things we took from our parents? And my mom used to joke in my writing. I, I mean, we could get into it. I started writing essays about nine years ago as I got back to the marathon. And um, my mom was so central to my, you know, someone I was constantly in contact with and discussing things and um, navigating life with. And then my dad was really the one who wanted to geek out on running to the nth degree. Um, and so then my mom would always joke. She'd be like, I must, I think you left me out in, in between the fifth and the sixth paragraph when you were thinking about your splits. <laughs> I must have, I, you must have edited out the paragraph because I would write essay after essay. And um, she, it was, it's been fascinating to think through, like what are the ways that people explicitly impact us versus implicitly? And um, when I've written, essays I just will say like my number one goal in writing an essay is to not make myself bored and to move like very fast through things so people feel like they're like they're being twisted and turned and they're in the moment then they're out of the moment and um, maybe there's a piece of dialogue that makes them like zoom in and so I would often write in ways that references to my dad would pop up or you know bringing the reader back to a moment from my childhood of when I learned some things. But my mom hasn't shown up in my writing up until the last nine months all that much because she wasn't implicitly the person, explicitly the person who was teaching me about running um, or who maybe would move the reader along. Whereas I've started to reflect after she died about, you know, 
I think the reason I'm able to do any of the writing is because of her. And I think the reason I'm able to, or like willing to, uh, lean so far into the emotions of what the experience is, is because of being her son and, um, all the, all the things that entailed. Um, I think people who put their stories out into the world come to it from many different directions and that's mine. And so I've gained appreciation for that thing that's just been a part of me, uh, as I've, you know, been coming to learn how to deal with her absence and think through like, what, what did she infuse in me and what do I want to carry forward for the rest of my life? I love the picture you put. I just looked at it before we hopped on because, you know, you got to do your due diligence. Like, what's the most recent things this person's posted? <laughs> oh, yeah. On yeah. Instagram. And I had actually seen that pop up, but your mom's like blowing bubbles on the stairs with, is it your son and one of your nieces or nephews? Yeah. Yeah. Her grandkids. Yeah. Um, And just the, like, I love, I love hearing about how you grew up with people in and out of your house and. Um, my story is not similar to yours in a mm. lot of ways, but like, I, I picture your gatherings different than ours for some reason, but my parents also, like, I feel like there was always like a random person at our house or like staying with us for like a couple weeks because they needed something or, you know, I just always felt like we had people this like kind of revolving door or like it was, it, it's never been weird for some Somebody I've never met to just like show up at Christmas and my dad's like, oh, yeah, this is so and so. He drives the train down here and I met him here. I met him, met him when I was mountain biking, you know. Um, it sets a so certain a, life cadence. Yeah, it, it does. And um, so that so when I read that, it had like a special place in my heart because I thought I'm so glad my parents kind of brought me up like that to think oh. that like it doesn't have to just be like our family on these big special days and things like that. Yeah. Um, but talk to us about that culture that you had. Yeah. I mean, I was fortunate to, in so many ways, um, it was a hilarious, I'll just go there for a moment. There was a, there was a comment that someone made because we live in this like social media era of so many worlds smashed together mm -hmm. where I posted that my um, parents' house was on sale and it's on sale for over a million dollars. And so someone said like, good to know you, you grew up privileged, Peter. And I thought like, uh-huh. <laughs> absolutely like but i i just like i think there's something well a i think there's something beautiful and like disarming when people you know it's like we talk about with our children right like when people come at you appreciating the truth in what they're saying like sitting with owning the reality and also thinking about maybe where they're coming from or what they're going through i mean i was just talking to my son about that before school. That's why I was, we were almost late to school. So um, this idea of those of us who have grown up with so much, um, you know, acknowledging that and um, not flaunting, but saying like, there, my mom's thing was there is enough to go around, she would say to a lot of people. Um, and that was certainly from a point of um, financial security and privilege. But man, if so many of us don't have privilege that we still cling on to with scarcity mindset. Um, and so I think there is something powerful in saying we have enough um, and whatever we have, we want to share with others. So, I mean, quite logistically, I grew up in a house, uh, both the homes I grew up in had enough room for guests. And uh, sometimes that was just like up in the attic that was, you know, refinished. Um, and there would be people that throughout my life who, 
were wonderful people I think added to my life. I want to say this in the right way, like we're going through something where they could use someone to lean on. And that was totally fine that it was us. Um, and that makes you feel even more privileged, even more fortunate of like, oh, I have this. I not only have these resources, I have these people in my life who are keeping me safe and keeping me loved. Um, and I feel that. And so then they added to the mix. We had families that would come every summer um, and stay with us. And those are the families that taught me how to, you know, rock climb and taught me how to ski, um, sort of more outdoorsy people who pushed me in ways. And I think there's something I've started to think about with my own son. Like I was, I benefited in a sort of physical outdoor adventure nature by being pushed by people who weren't my parents. Cause there's that different tension. Um, I think you can find your own toughness it's complex to find your own toughness from your own parents. Um, I think we're, we both are digging in or finishing Des's book and you're like, oh yeah, like being pushed by a parent is both, <laughs> if you become Don't Olympian, be it's like, thanks. Yeah. You're like, sweet mission accomplished, but also it feels different. And so I'm like, how can I set my son up to not only be pushed by his mom and dad, but um, to be in like safe, but challenging environments. Um, and that's, those are some of the things that I was fortunate enough to be given. Um, so yeah, when I think about all the people that came through our house, one of the people that blows my mind that makes me laugh is, um, I, I think one of my dad's cousins married a woman, Randy Bromka, who was a uh, a preeminent ultra distance runner back in like the seventies and eighties. Um, so you can look it up and she still had, she either still has records or had. And so I, I recall coming to the kitchen and looking and she had all these, um, little flasks laid out, little <laughs> bottles with all these like essentially baby food. Uh-huh. And I'm like, you know, I was probably like nine and I was like, this is weird. And now I'm like friends with the people who are the preeminent baby food eaters like <laughs> out in the world and I'm like what's your you know we call it all these brands you know all these different like gels and brands but I'm like really it's the same stuff right, uh, so right. I was like wow I have found myself back to that thing that I thought was so weird um there's a beauty in that full circle that's so good um yeah you know when you bring up Des's book I I thought about that a lot I've actually well when I you know Lauren Fleshman's book Des's book yeah. like they all have, they, they both talk about their dads a lot. And obviously Lauren's is a lot more extreme than, than Des's, but it makes me think about it a lot as a parent now. Like anytime I read reflections like that, because like Des and Lauren and me and you, like we're all kind of the same age. Yeah. I think as, and Des doesn't have kids, but like as our kids get older, I start really thinking through this and I start really thinking through what, how I was treated by my parents at the ages my kids are now. And it kind of, I don't yeah. want to obsess it's on like, it, but it's hard. I think it's complex. I think about it a lot from, I, I it's making me feel old actually, because I start to see the loops of the sport faster and faster. Mm -hmm. I'm 41 um, now. And so it became very clear to me. Uh, I saw it in an instant a couple of years ago, there was a local girl who was just crushing and she, we knew she was a crusher in middle school. She came to high school and was crushing and she was at the national level and I said to my friend, like, we were like, she's really intense about this running thing. And she was, people were talking about like where she might go to college, yada, yada, that, that whole thing. And I said to him, like, 
just as long as everyone acknowledges that in like six years, she'll just be out of college and have to figure out what, what to do with the rest of her life. And maybe she'll have a pro running career. So like roll that forward. But I'm just like, I'm feeling a little too old and too like tired of being naive around like, who knows? Like this could be wonderful because you just pull up an Instagram every day and it's like, here's a 26 year old woman who said like, I had to go through the process of unpacking my identity from running and realizing I'm worth more than just my times. And you're like, wow, I've seen this post a hundred times now. Um, and it's a, that's just one moment that athletes have to go through, but it's, um, this acknowledgement that, you know, especially with the documentaries and things coming out, like happiness is not in any way necessarily coupled with success. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like this idea of like the, the gold medalist, I mean, not, you don't have to look further than Michael Phelps has the most gold medals outside of maybe Allison Felix and suffered massive depression the moment his athletic career started and you know, became a spokesperson for mental health mm-hmm. uh, work. Um, and I was like, wow, that really drives it home. That um, Because yeah, like you can look at borderline abusive you know, upbringings that can lead to a mass, massive, like many podiums and lots of success. And you go like, okay, we can be talking about one, we can happiness, we can be talking about, you know, athletic performance, and they can be intertwined, but not, ne- they're not necessarily correlated. Um, and this is all my like brain spinning as I'm like, okay, my son's now eight, you know, what do I want for him? Um, and that's not, uh, it's all the things that you might imagine around participation and excite, you know, enthusiasm and teamwork. But um, there's a weird, people are like, oh, you're still, you're a runner. Like you'd want him to run well. And I'm like, I'm 41 and I'm loving running. Like what makes you think I want him to go all in at 10? You know, like, <laughs> like I feel like I'm a living testament to like this can uh, hopefully, and I'm inspired by the people who are like 50 and 60 and 70 at these big events. Um, So I'm like, if you think we're going to take all of this self-worth and pack it into, you know, supercharging a 13 year old to think, you know, in a few years, then you got this backwards. You're not listening to what I'm saying. Okay. So I was just talking about this, like diversifying your interests with Brad Stolberg, actually on a relay episode that's coming out really today um and yeah i mean and and this is the whole conversation around like you know put your kid in a single sport um at a young age blah 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 i was thinking about this though because with running i feel like it's really easy not to do single sport because it's like Mm. you know but with with like with like um, athletics that have a lot of technique involved that's where it's like a little bit harder not to do it um totally other conversation for another day but I i hear what you're saying like um these people that but get the participation. Yeah. 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 I'm, I would, I'm, and then another thing I've been thinking about a lot, I'm trying to write more about is I grew up as a soccer player. And so I, in the running world, I talk about how running has always been a part of my life and I've always felt just close to it. I felt within it. Um, and yet at the same time, this sounds absurd. I've, I didn't really feel like a runner, which is, absurd because I was a soccer player and I loved soccer and I just have to say for anyone listening like when guests start to talk about like their athletic upbringing how they're really into soccer I like glaze over and I almost like go to switch to Spotify (laughs) so I like (laughs) I bear with me it's only to say that I think it's really fascinating um that even being immersed in running 
I saw other people as the runners. Um, I knew the kids who, you know, were just honestly like national champions in my, uh, in my elementary school. And I was like, that guy's the runner. I'm the soccer player who mm. also tries to stay close to him at the gym class mile. Mm. But, um, you know, he went on to run at the University of Oregon. So it's like he was a better runner than me. But like we know that being better at running doesn't make you implicitly more of a runner. But I just felt like, oh, I'm more of a soccer player. And so yeah. I think that it's helped me appreciate that all of us navigate this journey of feeling like someone else is more of a runner than us. Mm-hmm. Um, if I could be that close to it and still feel like an outsider. Um, And so, yeah, when I think about diversifying my son's activities, it is, I I have a teammate who has a teenager and he said, you know, he has just tried to make sure that his son in growing up had conflicting passions, like, oh, there's the chess club and there's also the, you know, the running team and then maybe there's other activities. So you have like arts and sciences and athletics and they're all like, you know, like you don't want to overschedule, but also have it be a rich life that it's not just sort of implied, like this is the thing that matters and everything else is in support. Uh, So that's something I'm thinking about. That is a tough balance because I'm one of those like hardcore, like we don't overschedule type of people, which... I mean, with four kids, like you're going to have a busy schedule on the weekends, <laughs> even <laughs> if every kid is just doing one sport. Um, but I, I'm big on that. And I, I keep thinking I need to get one. I need to sign one of them up for like music. Some sort of uh-huh. Glenn like, and I love music so much, but not, neither of us are like instrument yeah. players. But I'm like, I need to give them the opportunity like to see if they might enjoy that. And just because we don't enjoy it doesn't mean they might not. And we just yeah. haven't, you know, it's a good reminder. And the enjoyment and the practice of it could be meaningful. I mean, I think just yesterday, Julie and I were saying to Will, like, neither of us are good at singing, but we like singing. To, yeah. You know, to each other. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to start singing, you know, um, but, you know, like, it's okay to embrace it. New sponsor here that I am really excited about, a product that I have been using a few times a week when I need a little extra kick. It is Lifestacks. LifeStacks MCT is the most nourishing thing to add to your coffee. It's a delicious MCT creamer packed with functional, science-backed adaptogens that deliver smooth, long-lasting energy. It cuts through fatigue and boosts mood and vitality, especially when training hard or when you want to focus really hard on an interview. I actually took it before my interview this morning with Grace Norman. I had a cup of coffee with LifeStacks MCT in my coffee, and it made me feel sharp and focused. Now, this can help you with your performance with running. It can be a tool for your endurance work, like speed workout, tempo runs. And thanks to the powerful blend of functional ingredients, LifeStacks MCT puts you in the zone in a way that's helpful, but not overwhelming. It boosts your willpower so that you can keep strong for a long time. This isn't a pre-workout. It's a whole system upgrade to your health and performance. It will raise your performance baseline over time rather than just jolt and crash your system. It's vegan, keto, and uses very clean ingredients. They set out to make a delicious coffee creamer that's supportive of a healthy, high-performing lifestyle. Now, they know that it is extremely important what athletes put into their bodies, so they formulated this to the highest quality standards. LifeStacks MCT is manufactured in the United States 
in a GMP NSF certified facility to ensure purity, potency, and safety. They have chocolate, vanilla, hazelnut. My favorite is the chocolate. And it dissolves best in your coffee when you use a handheld frother. Who doesn't like their coffee froth? That is the best way to have coffee. I'm serious when I notice the zing and the extra focus when I use this. This is why I've been using it like three times a week instead of every day. I wanted to have this like special feeling, this bump in my energy. I guarantee you're gonna like it. So they suggest going to Amazon to make your purchase. I have the link, my special link for this in the show notes at sandyboyproductions.com. I will also put it in my Instagram, in the stories at lindsayhine626. It's Lifestacks Chocolate MCT. If you put that into Amazon, you can find it or find the link in my Instagram, lindsayhine626, or in the show notes of this episode at sandyboyproductions.com. All right, friends, back to the show. Um, okay, so listen, guys, Peter's been on a gazillion, literally a gazillion <laughs> podcast. Um, so if you want to get his entire backstory and running, you can certainly do this. Uh, but, you know, one of the things about Peter's story that I think if anybody's been following you or reading your writing for a long time is is the very, 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 very close <laughs> Olympic <laughs> trials qualifying time that you missed a couple times. Is it twi- twice you were like within two, three seconds? I was once within two seconds and then once within 20 seconds and then once within 40 seconds. So three times within a minute, um, which was a wild journey a few years ago that I'm still taking. It's still like making sense to me even this many years later. Okay. So that's definitely, yes, I know you've talked about this to, you know, Matt Chittum and lots of different people, but um, I want to talk about it a little bit because I think that, this is a this is a story that can resonate with people on every level. Doesn't matter what mm. the level is. I mean, mm-hmm. for me, it can be like you know what you know. I would say three hours, but I was really eleven minutes from that, so that's not any, anywhere close. But it's just this elusive dream, right? It's mm. this like missing this dream that you worked so hard for, um, and like what did it mean to you then, and what does it mean to you now? You said you're still processing it. Or like yeah. making sense of it. Yeah, I mean, I'm actually, I keep speaking this into the world to hold myself accountable. I'm trying to write a book length about this journey um, because the longer that goes by since, we're really talking about um, 2017 to 2020. Um, when I, basically in 2017, in the fall of 2017, I wrote an essay called Why Faster? I had written a few essays at this point and I, had run 228 for the marathon, which for guys around my age, around my speed, sub 230 is like the big, you know, check. You like want to hold it up and be like, I ran 229. And I did that in 2016. 2017, I ran 228. And I was like, and I actually very much did not enjoy that 228. I was very nervous. I was like, okay, I got to be able to do it again. I did it once, but maybe that was a fluke. And I need to like prove to myself and everyone else that I, that it wasn't a fluke. Um, I So I broke my PR at Boston and didn't enjoy any of it. And I wrote an essay about that and how like just what a negative um, tense experience it was as opposed to running free and running like towards something. I was running in fear and away from the like, ah, ah. So then I run, so I run 228 and I wrote an essay called Why Faster that I think is 
still one of the ones I really appreciate because I was like, I love this marathoning thing and maybe it's over. Like why? Like why? Because 227, 226, 225, they're all like fine. Um, but they, it wasn't this threshold of 230 that, and I'm sure someone like Brad Silver could really unpack like why these thresholds really make sense. I, I think for all of us were like, yeah, it's like I get, a threshold It's like school. if you run, if, if as a female, like if I run 258, what's 254? I want the 249, you know? Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Which those is like, thresholds like feel, there's something powerful about them. Yeah. Um, and so that by feeling so unnerved that the game might be over for me, I went in with my teammates and we went all in on the CIM 2017 and we ran 223, which was like, whoa, whoa. Um, I have like a video. <laughs> I have a YouTube video. I have like six YouTube videos on my account. And one of them is just me freaking out. Um, you ran that fast? Yeah. You can hear me off camera just being like, what the F just happened? <laughs> ah. um, because I knew it was happening. But then to come around the bend and see 223, I think I ran like 223, 30 or something. And it just was like, I had never thought about numbers like that, but I had been freed up by the fact that I no longer cared about 227, 226, 220. Like it was all just like, go, 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 go. Um, so that put me and my teammates meaningfully, like five of us on the brink of like, well, 219 is a whole nother light year ahead. But I had already written about how like the, the sort of amateur sub 230 game was already done for us. And mm-hmm. we wanted more, we wanted to squeeze more out of this game and we wanted to do it together. And so we were like, we're going to go all in a year from now at CIM 2018. And we did. I've written essays about it. It was super intense, um, really awesome. And I ran 219.40, which was just light years ahead of what I had ever thought I could run. Um, and I think when I say it makes more sense to me, I have more appreciation the more years that go on for just how much went right, just how much fun I was having. Mm. Um, just I could like find analogies all day, but like it, things were clicking. Um, and when I finished that race, it wasn't I wasn't even to the airport and I was like, do it again. Let's <laughs> roll. Like and people are like, oh, you were so close. And I'm like, oh, no, 40 seconds. I, I actually measured it. I was like. I quantified it. I was like, it was about 200 meters from the finish. So like, if you think about, I was running around a track, you know, 105 times, like, you know, you're coming around the bend and, um, you know, you can't get there because you're 200 meters away. Um, so then I ran Boston in 2019, but like purely for fun with my teammates, with the intent of like, this is all in build up to CIM 2019. Um, and again, another year of running another year of success, and I think what is when I say things are making sense to me, I ran Boston, you know, three weeks ago, two weeks ago, and I'm still a bit figuring out how to run these races, um, not in the focused mindset I had for four years ago. Um, it's very hard, like spoiler alert. It's like you're sort of running in the ghost of yourself going like, how do I make if I don't think I. I had the benefit of year after year thinking I could PR. And I know a lot of people who talk about that. And the moment you're not on that train, you're like, what is this new thing I'm Because you're still working um, really hard to run a 228. Yeah. And it's it feels different. like, 
yeah, eerily close and you're like, huh. Um, but it feels different enough. You go like, what's going on? So, yeah, I mean, I titled the essay that I wrote in 2020, uh, The Bubble of a Dream, mm, because that's that that's the best analogy. And that's the hardest I've ever worked on an essay. And it's like the longest, longer form essay. I, I literally wrote around, I got into contact with different writers. And I was like, I want to write like a five or 6,000 word essay. Is that even... Is that absurd? Because <laughs> I just was like too much of a novice. It's like a mini book. It's yeah. like a chapter. Yeah, it's like a full chapter. And people like, I had some experienced writers be like, no. And they sent me links to online essays that were of that length. Um, and I that like very much freed me up to be like, okay, I'm not like, you know, um, it's been its own writing journey, which I like have been learning a lot about over the years. And so... Yeah, I call it the bubble of a dream because it really was. I was like inside. I d I've described on some of our relay calls like that guy, Peter 2019, was a crazy person. Um, he was having the time of his life, but like he was nuts and he was full steam ahead. And so that's why um, I felt like I was like head down, having the time of my life, working hard. And I was just like chucking these essays over my shoulder, like whatever, this is what I'm feeling. And that, and so then people are like, those essays hit people and they'll be like, this essay meant so much to me. And I'm like, cool, awesome. But we got to go. Like we got no time for like- <laughs> We have more to write. Yeah, we have more to write. We have more to run. We, I got no time to appreciate. So I actually wrote an essay um, in the spring of 18 called Burn the Boat, where I declared- sort of to myself and just like the world, like, okay, I've written some essays, but we're going to go in and we're going to try to break 219 and it's probably not going to go well. Like here are all the reasons it, it's going to be impossible. And I know those reasons, but again, the alternative was just sort of like easing off and stopping this train that I had, was so excited about. Um, by the way, I think one of the nicest things you can do to someone in the world, aside from asking them about their late parent, is asking them, like, could we go a little deeper on one of your life's successes? <laughs> like, <laughs> so when you're like, I want to bring it back to this thing, one of the best periods of your life and like one of the most <laughs> fun running times you've ever had. I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll do that with you. Um, yeah, all right. So yeah, I CIM 2019, um, I've written a bit about, but it, I executed one of the best races of my life and ended up coming around the bend and looking up at the clock and realizing I like didn't really have enough time to get to the line, but like didn't really look and drove the line. And I looked at the video and I came about five steps short of the OTQ, um, mm. which was like really, I've been just, I, I describe it as like when you know you left your wallet on the train and you're like, no, 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 maybe, maybe, and you know it. Like you're like, I left my, I dropped my wallet. I left it on the thing. Um, so like, I'm for a long time. I was like, I can't believe, but I totally knew at the same time. Um, and so then, um, through a whole emotional journey, I came back four weeks later at the Houston Marathon and had one of the most intense marathons of my entire life mentally, um, but also was so physically fit at that time that I was able to end up running like 219.20 without mm -hmm. like recovery from the other marathon. I mean, just like you're just, there's just so much in, you're like, once when, when you have the momentum, you have so much momentum. Um, and you're just like, yeah, 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 of course, let's go, let's go, let's go. Um, and I can still, I haven't written about that race a lot and I hope to in the future because it was the most intense. It was like, 
an hour of being like, I'm going to fail now. I'm going to fail now. I'm going to fail now. But every during the race, yeah, during the race, being like every second being like, what if I can do it for one more second? Mm-hmm. Um, and that wasn't exactly how other races have ever unfolded. And so it was so intense and so awesome that, um, you know, it got, that's what it took to get me just within, you know, a few dozen seconds of the OTQ. And again, the OTQ, I've had so much time to think about it, like would have been this beautiful distinction, you know, like I'm I'm an Olympic trials mm-hmm. qualifier, but um, I think what I'm trying to unpack enough for myself in order to write about it is this idea of like, it is always internal and external validation. You want that internal validation because you also want the external validation. Um, I would have likely got, you know, near, near to last in the Olympic trials race. Um, but I've, I touched on this in the bubble of a dream being at the trials and looking, I was towards the finish with about a thousand meters to go and like looking into the faces of the runners and seeing how much, not yeah, sure pain they're in, but like I got, I, I took a moment to very much look at Dez's face when she was in fourth and she was not going to make the team. Um, yeah. And to me, I felt like a, in a, in a beautiful way. I like, I felt a kinship to the expression that she had on her face. I was like, I know that look. I, I like, I know where she is. It wasn't, I wasn't going to make the Olympic team, but like, it's a distressed commit, committed focus. Um, mm. Like she was finding out where like she was learning in that moment how ready she was or how good she was going to be on the day. Um, and I'm like, yep, I recognize that. Um, and so in this idea of like runner identity, I, I tell people like when I was at the trials, I hadn't qualified, but I had never felt more like self-confident and like at peace with myself as a runner, because I was like, I have bared my soul. Like, I have almost statistically significant, like I have three samples, three samples of data to show yep, like, yep. this is how I am. You know, I, I joke with people, like people write on Instagram, like I do this sport just to figure out how good I can be. And I'm like, I think I kind of figured it out. <laughs> like, I'm, and I'm like, careful what you ask for. Cause you might learn and be like, wow, what do I do now? Like that was nuts. Um, so I, I love as time passes, appreciate seeing that same journey from more angles. And it's been a lot of fun to unpack. Okay. So I'm super curious then at that, like knowing that you were that close three times, like how was the decision-making process for you to be like, I'm done chasing that to, to 1859. Uh, now, well now, and then though, well, so uh, I mean, Houston was the last day to, to chase. So I right for I, that yeah, year. For that year. Have um, they lowered the men's standard though? I yeah. Wh- they, what is it they, now? Um, it was actually funny. I was sitting at lunch and we had heard rumors that the new OTQs were going to come out that day. This was uh, two years ago, right before CIM. And Chris Chavez um, like texted me uh, the standards that they had just been reported, and I just like laughed out loud because um they <laughs> now you they, really know you gave it your all yeah i'm like i saw the i saw the 218 they lowered the men's by one minute to 2 1759 or 218 um okay, i thought it which, was something like that yeah yeah and so it is um 
at the time I wrote a post that has gotten a lot of, uh, you know, attention around like, all right, this is what we're going for. Um, and it's not, the last few years have been realizing just like I've been saying, just how good I had it in 2017, 2018 and 2019. Meaningfully, like some of my friends were training at the exact same level. Um, there are guys who hadn't had kids who now have had kids, guys who moved away, who were like, you know, just part of the team every day. And so the it really comes down to I was physically able and surrounded by a teammates who were all committed and we were in the zone. Um, and at the time, I'm, you're catching me unable to answer this question because I'm trying to figure out actively like what my goals are for the marathon like, going forward. Are, would you consider going after it? So what I would say is like, how do I unpack this? People, because I wrote the essay, like burn the boat, I'm going for it. What I've learned in the last, that was six years ago. Jesus. Um, Isn't that five, wild? Uh, yeah. Uh, that was five years ago, but it was six years ago that we, yeah. Um, five years flies by, you know, pandemic will do that to you. Um, the other people have then declared their intent to go after certain goals and they have sent, people will send those to me, whether it's, you know, just an audacious time or an OTQ. And what I've realized over the last five years is like, that's nice because that's worth doing. Um, it can like rally people. It can rally a community around you. It doesn't really matter. Like that's this like saying there's a flag out in the future. Um, and so, and I'm like, cool, cool, cool. What I've learned is where me saying I want to run 218, let's say at De in December at CIM only matters in as much as for me to quickly switch back to, okay, what is my training level now? What do I think my, I could get my training level to? And then what could that set up in terms of training for the fall? Um, and so it just has made me appreciate like what a mountain of fitness and momentum and joy you need to be standing on to like go after something that big. And so um, when people now reach out to me and they're like, I want to go for this, I'm like, cool. Have we, do you want to, I would love to chop it up with you. You want to break down, you know, your mileage, your strength training, your diet, your sleep, um, or flip it the opposite way. I've, I've gotten pretty obsessed as a parent with like, it's going to take X number of hours a week. Where are we going to find those hours? Mm. You know, like let's, uh, let's talk running about what is, running hours aside. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. The running all hours the aside, all the things. Um, but also running, you just go like people are like, Oh, doubling da da da. And I'm like, okay, man, like, let's just talk about where you're going to find X number of hours. And you know, that's where I really start to appreciate people who I struggle to talk about um, people who run slower than me without, with full appreciation that making it clear I'm not trying to be a jerk. But like, I'm like, but if it you, takes longer, you mean? It takes longer. You're out there. Yeah. Like, I mean, Matt Chittam is a close friend of both of ours. I'm always like, damn, you just did a three hour like long run. Uh, I haven't yeah. done three hour long runs all that often. He's like, yeah. I was man, like, welcome. ever if you're running yeah. 228 marathon. <laughs> I mean, yeah, occasionally you got, and so it's like, or being out in the summer heat for like routinely you know, yeah. those hours. So I, yeah, I get very, I love the details. Um, I love geeking out about like way, ways of making it all work. And so it's only to say, it's a long way of saying I am, I've decided I'm going to run CIM in December just because it's like all gas, let's go like six months of just 
like let's let it rip but i let it's less important to me until the final like two weeks before of like what's the time goal what's the time goal i think is i even get into like what's the halfway split i'm like um i've heard this actually from several people now of like training in order to set themselves up to go through half at a certain split um so for me it's like actually okay if there's a pack at 69 minutes which is half of 218 um could i get fit enough to go out with that pack and then you know fight like hell to even give myself a chance to pr um which i think is there's a really it's a it's a closing window that i'm excited to um chase after Okay, but two questions about that because we we all have these closing windows, right? Like, you know, it's funny the older you get, though, the more you're like, oh, that window is way bigger than I thought it was. You know, when, when you're 30, you think yeah. the closing window is like 38, oh. 39, 40. You, you're 38. You're like, oh, my closing window is 45, 46. And then you have like, um, I don't know if you know who Nat is, Natalie from the Sweet Run podcast, but okay, yeah, she's oh, like, yeah, yeah. She's like, I think she's about to be fifty, and like, she's, she's killing. crushing. She's crushing. So like, yeah, no, I know. Like, it's all like a matter, and and it's like, I was actually just talking to Matt Chittam about this before. <laughs> I called Matt and I was like, "Give me three things I need to know about Peter Bromka before this call," <laughs> because like we're friends, but like I know you've talked to him extensively over the last few years. But um, anyway. We were talking about this like ceiling thing, and it's like mm. if you ha- he he made a good analogy. Like if you had like a hundred flights of stairs, but at thirty you only like peaked out at like seventy of those stairs. Like you oh, didn't yeah. really like tap out like you did with all your crew when you were training for the two nineteen. Like yeah. most people have not gone that all in. Well, that's what's so interesting to me. Tommy runs our new team member. Asked me the other day, like. You know, so these guys who ran in college, even if they go away from it, like they still got something from that, right, man? And I was like, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, so it's like, I mean, that's where there's these layers. And sometimes for me, it was an exploration of like what layers hadn't I explored and have I mm-hmm. had I gone deep enough? Um, what and were they? It was really like, it doesn't sound profound, but. Um, running that fast for me took doing long run workouts that were just like hard to wrap your head around. Um, Give me an that example. Are so like the best run, less long run workout I ever did was like four by four miles about half marathon pace. Um, with, like, with like a half. I mean, and it wasn't exactly half by marathon pace. Yeah. So it's like, exactly. And <laughs> I, should warn, I should warn that like part of the issue is I'm not that fast traditionally Uh, by these guys standards so that's what i mean is it was less of with like a half mile jog recovery you know so you just get i got in this mindset of like if i can just take even three minutes to breathe like let's go again and there's no reason to believe i can't do it again which is kind of crazy but it's just through it was through repetition that i got there and so but what that did was it allowed me to then in races, like if I eased off even a little bit and could kind of catch my breath, I fully believed a hundred percent I could go like surge again. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what you, in hindsight, that's what I've seen in looking at the splits I ran in those years was like just a ardent belief of like, 
my stride will be there. Like my, my body is strong enough. Let's hammer. And I mean that I think I can still remember that day in February, 2019 with my teammates because I was really just trying to stay with them. I wasn't like racing exactly. Yeah. I was like, um, I remember my buddy Patrick looked over at me kind of like, you want to lead? And I looked at him like, I am maxed out. Like I am going as hard as I can. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, you are seeing full effort. Um, what was that? There's like some line, I think it's a T-slip line. Like, this is me trying. <laughs> I was oh, like, this is me trying. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I mean, if you can get through those without getting injured, without burning yourself out, you arrive on race day with a lot of tools to play with. And so honestly, I would say what I'm coming to terms with and I got to experience in Boston a few weeks ago was... I love the marathon. I will always run marathons, but I have squeezed the marathon so hard that I meaningfully am almost outside the window of um, believing I can like actually surpass what I have done. And meaningfully, I've accomplished enough that I'm thankful for what I've done. Like I've had great days that I'm really appreciative of. And I I'm starting to write about this more. The guys that were passing me in Boston, I could like see in their faces. They had that like urgency of like, I got to go. I got to go. Like the finish line has, you know, the payoff that I have been like questioning and doubting and curious if I can achieve. And I want to believe that's true. And I could just, I'm like, I I recognize that like, look, Um, whereas I was like. Give you relief that you didn't feel that? Well, it didn't give me relief when I was in the middle of the race and I was like, shit, I didn't pack urgency. What, <laughs> what, what else do I have in here? <laughs> I'm like, because like, they're like, this guy rolled up on me at like mile nine. Is like, we got a train going. We're going to try to catch that pack. And I thought I had like slightly overdone, played my hand like the first six miles and I wasn't with anyone. And I was like, okay, um, like, and I know it's like a, it's it makes me feel like a baby. Like I ran 22308 in 2019 at Boston and I'm so proud of that that I it's like this internal external thing. I'm like I know what that took. I'm super proud that I pulled it off. And so in some way it feels sacrilegious to say this, but I feel a satisfaction. I feel like I don't really need to prove to myself that I can run well at Boston, even though I'd like to run well at Boston in 2023 and 2024. Like it would be nice, but like it would be nice is not enough when you're like in it. Um, You know, you're an hour and 15 minutes into, Mm -hmm. um, and I love those. I actually find Boston, once I get to the final 11 miles, like mile 16, the downhill and get going, I can just race those because I love it. That's like doing my favorite ski slope or something. Like, But the first 15 miles um, takes a lot of mental gymnastics and bargaining and reasoning with yourself to like really set yourself up um, to fight. And I... The guys around me, I was like, oh, man, those guys are fighting so hard. And they're they, de- yeah, they're in it. They deserve everything that they, you know, mm-hmm. get for themselves. Whereas I, w- I realized that I was like, oh, I mean, <laughs> it's just so. I and mean, some people are like, how was Boston? And you know how it is. Like, no one wants to hear you gripe about sort of a B day for yourself. Like, yeah, at any rate, at any pace. It's like, well, I had a, had a fine one. So um, I've been struggling to talk about it and not an overly self-deprecating and not a overly self-wallowing, you know, like, womp womp. But you're just like, oh. 
All right. Sponsor shout out to my friends at Koala Clip. The phone struggle is solved. You want a place to put your phone on your run, on your bike ride, wherever you're going. Put it in your Koala Clip. Clip it to the back of your sports bra. There you go. You can throw your ID, your key, a couple dollars, whatever it is you want to take in your Koala Clip. It is super easy to access and it is sweat resistant, water resistant. You can be out running and get super wet and your phone stays dry and safe from damage. This is a small woman owned business and Christina, the founder, also has really cute sweatshirts and sports bras. Actually, the Rin sports bra by Koala Clip is my favorite sports bra I own. I wear it every single time. It's clean. Ooh, the Bluebird. I haven't tried that one yet, but I'm looking at their site, and I love the high neck of that. That is a super flattering cut. Um, so go check out uh, all of their apparel and also get yourself a Koala Clip. Uh, I also have the Lark sports bra. Highly recommend that. I love sports bras with a thick band on the bottom. A lot of cute apparel pieces that could be great gifts as well. There's a tank top that says run more, worry less. Grit, grace, gratitude. Love that. Strong like a mother. Hello. Uh, Go check it out. Go support a small woman-owned business. Go to koalaclip.com and use the code ANOTHER for 10% off your order. All right, friends. Back to the show. Honestly, when I ran uh, New York in 2019, I ran like a 323, and which is my PR's 311 from 2017. Yeah. And so it's like very far off. But I was, I think I, I'm more proud of that race Kay. than my PR because I wasn't in shape for a 323. I was yeah. in shape for like sub 330 on a good day. That's awesome. I though. couldn't believe how like mentally strong I was. Yeah. And, I think that has come with age because mm. maybe also having lots of babies. Like I'm just like, oh, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I just think about like the pain and um, how quickly this actually in all reality oh. will be over. Even though you feel like it, it's not. Um, I feel like I can break it down better now. Wow. Um, which it's funny because when you were talking about that workout, that seems so insane. I remember when I trained for the first time I... I would say I've really only truly trained hard for two marathons. And okay. one was that 311. And one was when I ran 313 for the first time. And that was like, you know, um, I think a 10-minute PR. So that was wow. like when I when I really, I feel like I would say I learned how to run. Yeah. <laughs> um, like I learned how to work hard. Um, and I remember during that training cycle, I, I, I was probably in shape for more like a 309 or something, but it was like, horrible winds at the Virginia Beach Marathon. Anyway, um, I remember I did a workout that was uh, three by five miles at Marathon (laughs) Effort, and I've never done one since in like 20 miles total. I've never done a workout like that since, and I don't think that my body could even handle like doing workouts like that repeatedly at this age and like also point in my life. Um, But I think, I almost think the mental strength Mm -hmm. I have now far outweighs like doing those oh. intensive workouts. Do you know what I mean? Like I would still have to do massive workouts, but like mentally I'm so much stronger I like if that. I go there. Yeah. No, I, I definitely like that. And I mean, I'm curious about, okay, if I've over squeezed one event, I know we talk about the marathon a lot and like there's this sort of 
thing in the running world like we're talking about running we're really talking about marathoning like it's like yeah, you know um, right especially like, on this podcast, on this podcast yeah, <laughs> I, mean, like, I, do, I bring some track athletes on but like totally. it, but it, even, it usually comes to like when are you gonna do the marathon yeah Unless exactly it's a 400 meter <laughs> that's the end or like you know i love when the let's have another pops up and it's like we're gonna talk to sarah hall about her build-up and you're like the race hasn't even happened yet like this is a whole <laughs> celebration of the build-up which i really respect um but I have realized, so I ran a 50K in February and it was intended to be as like flat and fast a 50K as it could be. And it went really well and it was super mentally hard, like you're saying, but I had some tools to tackle that. And I I was able to run free from outside and parallel to the image I have of myself as a marathoner. I was like, I just was able to enjoy it. And I mean, it was very different. Like, it was fun in a bunch of ways. It was very low-key. It's like the ultra world is much more chill. They're just like, oh, yeah, hey, here you go. Here's your bib. Race starts in 20 minutes, you know. Don't you think Um, that's so funny, though? Because you know the – it is so chill, but, like, the Courtney DeWalters and the people that are like – I'm like, you're chill, but also, like – you intense. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, there's it's a whole there's many different layers involved there. Um, I actually really appreciate certain there are certain athletes that allow me to do some cross comparison. Like I know that guy is like just a badass assassin on the roads and then he gets seventh or something. And I'm like, oh, gosh, like, mm. you know, I just almost picture I fantasize about like out in the forest, like it went down and these guys like slaughtered each other. Um and then the guy I think is almost unbeatable, like finish the seventh. Um, mm-hmm. So you're like, okay, that helps me appreciate just how, you know, they're all like happy vibes and like crew love. <laughs> and then like, and and then you even look at the splits and I'm like, I don't know, somewhere in these splits, there is some insane running, but they all look kind of like regular pace. Out, running yeah. through the woods. <laughs> exactly. Somewhere when you extend and then extend, it just goes nuts. So I, I'm not saying that's, I'm immediately going to jump to ultras or anything, but um, I think it's important. I'm learning the sort of like maybe obvious truths of applying those skills you're saying that we pick up over time into Mm. new avenues could really be free room to run, um, which I'm looking for. Yeah. I mean, I feel like if you're new to marathoning, like just the whole concept of like running those 26 miles hard seems so like, otherworldly but once Mm -hmm. you do it enough times you like kind of train your brain to realize like I am going to get to this finish line (laughs) it's gonna hurt really bad but like it it, this is not never ending yeah I I think I I've joked in 2018 that basically people like how did you shave so many minutes off after you shaved minutes off I'm like oh the 21940 was when I first time sub 220 was when I purely was like no holding back. We're just going to go for broke really from the start, which is insane. Um, and that doesn't always work out well, but it, it was a meaningfully, like you're saying, I had definitely started marathoning of like, this is going to go badly at some point. Oh no, no, no. Like try to hold it off. try to hold it off. And that's a totally natural place to be. And then I extended that up until mm-hmm. like I'd, for a few years. And then because we, as a group of friends, we kind of felt like we'd, the, we'd run the race in 2017 that we felt like the fastest we could go unless we went all in. Um, mm-hmm. I really was really willing to risk blowing up. Um, and that was, you totally... kind of have to, right? Yeah. Like if you're going to, yeah. if you're, if you're going for that big of a goal and like that fast, yeah, 
And you go, and you meaningfully, I like took stock of myself and was like, I have run times that I'm proud of. Like, I don't, mm. uh, if I have to, I mean, I always say like, I totally respect if people DNF or jog it in. Um, if it becomes a habit, then that can be really troubling for people. They're like, I don't know if yeah. I have the fight. That's like far off, you know, like you yeah, need different to. different story. Exactly. Yeah. Like if you are feeling like you're going to injure yourself, like stop running the race. Like it's fine. Um, yeah. Don't don't go in looking for the, that excuse. But um, yeah, I think that 26 miles is a ton of time. And so it is very daunting and you can reach a point where you, meaningfully you reach a point where you say, oh, it's not going to break me. I'm strong enough to do this. Um, mm, and then that. you just go, okay, I'm going to, the game on top of the game was like, oh, this pack, you know, like, um, and I know that that's true for a lot of people. Like, I know I can run. I mean, my cousin ran 301 recently and he's gone through some injuries, but like, I know that in the future he's aiming to like go to a marathon and run with that three hour pack and then maybe charge away from them if he's strong enough. Um, and I think that's an experience within the game that we obsess that makes it kind of fun. And I know that's, um, I always have this hilarious story. I was running CM 2016. I was coming back from injury and my friend wanted to run 245. And so I was like, okay, I'll, I'll go out on the 245 pack with you. Um, so I was in this big group of men and women. We're all running uh, like 615 pace. And there's this guy coming up in the on the horizon on the side that we knew from Portland. And he was just walking and someone yells like, hey man, you okay? And he was like, yeah, there's just... There's no damn point in running 235 again. <laughs> and all of us look at each other like, oh yeah, who would want to run 235? Like, what? <laughs> like, and we we're like, wow, that's such a <laughs> he's in a bad mental place. I get it. He's yeah. just dropped out of a marathon. But it was like <laughs> such a true point of like, this is all, these are all relative times, and it's all just like what you're shooting for. He, I, I think he was shooting for sub-230. Yeah. yeah. And he's just like, what's the point? And we were like, oh yeah, what a loser. Who would run this? <laughs> so slow. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a fun way in the moment, um, because all these people were gaining a lot of, like we finish and the guy, there was a male pacer I knew who ran 245 exactly. And like people are hugging him and there's Aww. like tears, you know, like those, those are beautiful experiences and they bring people together. So um, that's what I was able to experience at that like really intense uh, group of OTQ guys. Um, there's a video from 2019 of like a hundred guys like flying down the road um, and I'm somewhere in the middle of the pack. And it was just like such a cool, intense experience. And I think that's, what we see uh, that I'm, I think I would, what I know is in the same way, like declaring a goal pretty quickly becomes like about the things you're going to do in your life to achieve that goal. Um, when I say like, I'm looking for other events, I'm like, okay, but what, what are the, what's the community going to, that's going to be there? Mm. Or what are the, um, who am I going to, you know, be working with? Because that's what's made a lot of the meaning for me. Yeah, I mean, if anybody missed that part of your story, you, without that group of guys you were training for, with, I mean, what would that 219 been? Yeah, I mean, it's just... Beyond the time, even. Like, yeah. there's just so much more to it. Yeah, and so that's where it's hard. People reach out to me from around the world, like, I was inspired by your story. I want to go all in. I'm doing this all alone. And I'm like, okay. Um, Where's your team? <laughs> yeah, that's... it. Things are possible. I mean, talent is there for certain people, but... um. I have That's a, hard though. Like when you're running as fast as you are to find oh, yeah. people at that level to train with. Yeah. The, the, 
You're kind Actually, of in the middleman, right? You're not like training with the two ten guys, and no. you're not, but you're like so incredibly fast that you have to have really fast people. And it's cool that there are more of those groups emerging. I think with the Instagram and Stravas I think of the so world, too. yeah. yeah. Um, and then I've seen it around that time. I had a woman reach out to me, and she was. I think I've told this story. She was beating around the bush because she essentially was faster than all of her friends, male and female, and she needed someone. Mm. And so I was like, I'd love to come run like an 18-miler with you at six-minute pace. Um, yeah, because, that's a like, good run for you, yeah. Yeah, it'd be a good run for me, and like I know that that would be um, – so I think some of the pacing and some of the – I love that type of stuff, and I hope to – actually, I'm helping – recently I, I've been helping pace a high school girl who is um, you know getting stronger than her teammates and hopes to she certainly will encounter tough competition at the state or like beyond the state level um so occasionally i'll i like go over and her mom's the coach and we talk and then i like help set her up for um you know i've had a lot of help in getting me to reach my potential and i try to like pass that forward yeah okay i gotta go pick up sandy i don't want to end and listen friends peter is on relay with me so we have a lot of fun we do. And we have these like candid conversations all the time over there with like different groups of people that are part of it. So it's, it's mm -hmm. Peter and myself, Matt Chittum, Tommy Runs just joined the team, Kara Goucher, Steph Flippin, Marcus Brown. Maybe some new announcements. We'll see. We have a great group over there. So like we would love to have you join us. Um, it's $9 a month, but how do you feel about that? Do you, what do you think about that, Peter? You know, I, being a creator in the internet space, got on board with Patreon a couple of years ago and yeah. get the, I get the receipt, like actually the first of the month and really enjoy, I've changed it over time. You know, like I don't, what we're really trying to say to people is like, come on over, we're trying something, uh, check it out, ch uh, chime in, ask us questions, participate. And we need mm -hmm. to do a better job of like continuing to in, invite. I think we don't always love like self the self promotion side of like tuning our like form. I feel like I'm shamelessly promoted the most. <laughs> You're pushing us, and it's helpful because what we want to say is like, come on over here. We're having these you know deep conversations. We're exploring topics in more depth. Um, and yeah, try it out. I think it's for some people. It might not be for everyone. I think it's for them to explore. I love like supporting different creators who do video, audio, sometimes music. Um, Mike Co. Did I say Mike Co? Is that who I missed? Oh, did you Kafuzi. miss? Did you miss Kafuzi? Oh, I man. think I missed Mike. Oh my gosh, Mike! Don't hate me. He might <laughs> actually listen to this too. Oh dear, he's on a run, just like pissed right now. The nicest human you've ever met in your yeah, entire life. Honestly, good. that's been one of the coolest part of, parts about it. And I think the other thing too with Relay is like we want people that are there to feel like they're part of it with us. So like I think Book Club is such a good example of that. Mm -hmm. We did start recording it on Riverside, and now we've moved to Google Meet. And like literally everybody on the Book Club, your your face can be on the screen with us, and we like all talk. Like this past Book Club with Kara Goucher. Everybody was asking her questions and it was like the people that are there every month, I'll give Bridget Chamberlain as an example, like she's there every month. And so when it's all said and done, like we all know each other, we know yeah. Bridget, you know? So I think it's, it's a really cool way to get to know people outside of like that core group of people you're constantly interacting with both in the online world and in your own, like, you know, 
yeah, physical a, world. Aiming to like foster these conversations amongst like a group of people who are who are nerding out about like the similar topics. Nerdy. And am I the <laughs> least runner nerd in the country? <laughs> I think I am, Peter. Or am I just be, trying to be too cool? Um, I think you just come at it from. We come at it from different directions. Like, I mean, when Mike and Matt start talking about shoes, like, man, I have Peace so many out. running shoes, and I'm like. I'm out. Um, <laughs> I'm like, wow, you you guys want to talk about outsole rubbers for the next five minutes? I got to go. But like, <laughs> that's a certain audience and there's a ton of people who love that. You know, I'm more um, just so th- I think that's the beauty of having a collective is like yeah. teaming up and going deep on different uh, sub genres of the sport. Yeah. Wow. So you can awesome. join us. Yep. Um, and that is patreon.com slash relay. Okay. So into podcast questions and Peter, we're going to do this again because I want to get more into your writing. <laughs> and I, I had Matt help me with this like really good question about your writing, but I oh, like I, an um, idea that he thought of, we just don't have time for it though. I, I tend to over, over answer. No, 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 so no, no. no it's perfect. Fault. We're going to do another one on writing in, in particular, but um, so what's something professionally or personally you'd like to do that you haven't done yet? Um, I'm just keep speaking in the world like I am trying to tell this write this longer story and stretching my writing towards like chapter length and book length yeah, is proving like challenging in all the ways I thought it might be, but is daunting and it, it's exciting. It's like this thing of like, okay, it's gonna take a ton of work. It's developing new muscles, it's skills because um I've learned I've I, don't get me going for too long, but I like really have appreciated as I write longer form, the move, I call them like moves that I make when I'm writing essays and I'm like, okay, but how do I build the strength, almost endurance to tell a narrative and bring an audience along and still care over longer form with more depth. Um, it's something I'm obsessed with right now. And I'm, tr- ho- I'm hoping I'm like speaking into existence that it'll pay off. Love it. Uh, who's some, someone fun, motivating or inspiring you'd like to have coffee, tea or cocktail with? Coffee, tea, or cocktail. Um, well, I got to see so many people in Boston. I have a friend, Matthew Luke Meyer, um, who lives in Boulder. And I just always, he's newer to the sport. He came into running in 2015. He's a coach now. He's part of uh, the track club in Boulder. And he and I just like, when we connect about the sport, we're able to geek out, but also stay high level and really mm-hmm. enjoy um, like we we we're like a lot of people where we find that mutual uh, motivation from one another and like you know find that piece of like I'm excited to go again. So not someone famous, but a close friend. It's ne- it's never a prerequisite for them to be famous, but people yeah. do usually pick famous people. Yeah, yeah. Either famous people or like a grandma or a mom or someone <laughs> who's no longer with us. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, best most recent book you've read? Um. Oh man. Um, so, so one book I want to keep screaming from the mountaintops is so many Olympic exertions. Look it up. It's really well, it's a fun journey um, to go on because this, it touches a lot along these lines about um, sports and life and parents, but in a interestingly like first person narrative kind of novelish way. Um, I've really enjoyed that. I, I bet that's the type of book I've sent to different people, you know, like ordered oh. it off of bookstore.com and straight to their house. See, you're one of those people. I love people who send people books. 
I love that question. Um, like if there was one book in the world that you would just like give away, what would it be? Oh, well, see, I have had, yeah. I mean, I recently went back and read once a runner, which is not, it's like enough of a folk classic. Like there's so much hype around it that people have been like, it's not that good. Da, da, da. Mm -hmm. I went back and read it and I originally read it probably like sophomore year in high school. And as a 40 year old, I can appreciate, like I could look at a page and be like, holy shit, these are the exact paragraphs that impacted how I saw myself and I saw running for the like decades to come. Like I can mm -hmm. look at myself and be like, wow, I, this had a profound effect on me. Um, and I can see how from an action, like for instance, there's a scene in a, restaurant where the main character is just pontificating about running to his girlfriend and if you see it as a scene where he's being like a kind of a loud mouth um and just like not letting other people get a word in edgewise it doesn't show up that well but if you see it as he's using the you know narrative structure of a restaurant scene to, for him to speak about what running means to him and means to his peers and maybe what this whole game is about I, I lapped it up as particularly as a kid of like oh yeah like um so the the author John o. Parker he used some of these scenes that are a little bit sophomoric to um illuminate truths about the sport that I think only become um like evident when you're really really into it and really committed and I really appreciate that he like brought us on that journey because he's essentially like he's trying to articulate the beauty of this thing that we obsess um without it just being a, like an essay on check out this beautiful thing he's trying to like uh, mm -hmm. you know show us with characters so um i love that book i think i love it for all sorts of reasons it doesn't need to be like technically the best written book in my mind to do that yeah what's your last message to leave with the audience oh just to say um thank you um i receive messages from people all over the world and what i've appreciated what is like I've put a lot of writing into the world and whether it's on Instagram whether it's on peterbronka.com in my essays um, and I think in meaningful way people internalize the things I've written and they make their own meaning with that and then they'll reflect back to me like um, you know this is how I've used your essay to go after a, a goal that I was scared of or um, Thank you for being vulnerable about, you know, the emotions that you went through in staring down a goal that you weren't sure you could accomplish. So like that buttresses me um, and reminds me like that we're doing this, we're putting stuff out into the world for a reason and the, the things we're exploring are universal and there's you know, like meaning in uncovering those together. So just thank you. I love that. You have inspired me to want to go chase a big goal. I don't know if I will take it how you know, how much I'll pack with me as the years yeah, go on exactly. of that inspiration from this interview. But right now it does inspire me. Um, I also, I said this to someone else the other day. I can't remember who it was that I interviewed. Oh, is I'm Joan ben Benoit Samuelson. Oh. <laughs> Joni, <laughs> right here over my shoulder. <laughs> yeah. Um, I said this to her at the beginning of her interview. I wanted to interview her for like five years and it just now came to fruition, but I feel that way about you. Like, you know, when I interviewed you and Esther on the show about the Olympic trials a few oh, years yeah. ago, I was like, Peter's someone that I just need to have on the show. But I'm actually like so glad that we didn't do it until now because it wouldn't have been the same conversation. And totally, me too. Like, 
this is like way better than it would have been three years ago. So I'm, I'm super happy it happened now. Absolutely. I feel the same way. All right, everybody. Thanks for being here today. Thank you, Peter, for coming on the podcast. Always a joy to talk to you. Can't believe I didn't do that sooner. You can find Peter on Instagram. He is Bromka on Instagram. You're definitely going to want to check out his writing. It is so good. PeterBromka.com to learn more about that. Of course, you can follow us and learn more about Relay that we talked about. Our Instagram over there, if you want to just kind of get a taste of the community, is Relay underscore site. And then if you want to go all in and check us out, you can go to Patreon.com slash Relay to join the community. Give it a test run. See if you like it. I think you will. Uh, you can find me personally on Instagram. I am lindsayhine626 on Instagram. Learn more about this show and all the shows in our network, including my podcast. That's kind of a lifestyle parenting type podcast. That's called Why Is Everyone Yelling? Um, you can find all of that at sandyboyproductions.com. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate each and every one of you and we will see you next week on I'll Have Another. Have a great weekend.